I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there's no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor as with a shield. Those are verses 7 through 12 of Psalm 5, which along with Psalm 6 are the Psalms appointed for today, Tuesday, August the 24th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We are uh, continuing our study in the in the life of David as it comes to its close. We're studying about the life of Paul and the trial, or multiple trials actually, that he endured um, in, in by way of getting to Rome and that's also coming to a close. And then, as I said yesterday, we're also in the gospel according to Mark. And, and we're moving into the last, we're in the last week of Jesus' life. So, as uh, David, is his life is coming to a close, somebody's got to be anointed king, right? And so Adonijah decided, that he was one of his sons, that since that hadn't already been done, that David hadn't already made that transfer of power, and David had never disciplined him before, um, that he would take that mantle upon himself and so he he attempted to do that and then this became known to David through Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet and and David had to take corrective action he had to make his um, will known to all he had to be the one to anoint the new king and whoever David anointed would be the one who would be accepted by the people so they David has begun to do that. Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. So who are the Cherethites and the Pelethites? Well, they're people who lived in close proximity to the land of Israel. They would have lived just on the outskirts and borders of the land, and they're essentially assassins or mercenaries. Who, who are working for David here. So this is a military move. However, Solomon's coming in on David's mule. So he's coming in peace, but the threat is behind it. And remember with Adonijah, he, he got horses and chariots and 50 men who would run before him. And so here come David with these mercy. Well, here comes Solomon, really, because David wouldn't have gone with him. But, but this is Solomon coming in with these mercenary soldiers. It, it, it's... It's a dangerous time, but he comes in on a mule rather than a horse. And so the, the, the implicit uh, statement that's being made is, I come in peace, but I'm ready for war. And so that's what's happening here. And so Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent. That's where the ark was. and It's the, the center of worship in the city because the temple hadn't been built yet and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split with their noise. So it's a huge um, celebration in the city. And so Adonijah and all the guests who were with it heard it as they finished feasting. And when Joab, who had been the commander of David's army, and now he's cast his lot with Adonijah, when he heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? 
while he was speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, who had gone with, with Adonijah, <coughs> came. And Adonijah said, Come in, for you're a worthy man, and bring good news. And so Jonathan answered Adonijah, No, for our Lord King David made Solomon king, and the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet had anointed him king at Gihon, and they have gone up from there rejoicing, so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you've heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours, and his throne greater than your throne. And the king himself bowed on the bed. So David's bedridden at this point. And the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. It's a done deal. Solomon has been anointed uh, solemnly and legally. David has blessed this. And now what are we going to do? So all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and each one went his own way, and Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. In other words, he, he went into the temp, uh, the not the temple, but the, the tent, and, and laid hold the horns of the altar where the sacrifices were made. He's claiming here to have sanctuary. You can't kill me because I'm in the temple. And so it was told Solomon, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon, for behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, If he show himself a worthy man, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth, but if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So he didn't give him a promise. He, he gave him a promise with a condition. If, if he's a worthy man, everything's going to be fine for him. If he's not, then we have a problem. And Solomon's Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar, and he came and paid homage to King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. And now David's about to die. He commands Solomon, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it's written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. The Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and all their soul, you shall not like a man on the throne of Israel. And so David's passing the torch. He's passing the torch to Solomon, but he's solemnly warning him that he has to, to obey the Lord and follow him in all his ways in order for this throne to become a perpetual throne. And it is, because Jesus sits on that throne. But <clears throat> this is the fruit of David failing to make these things clear and failing to discipline his children. And so this is, there's a potential here for, for a second civil war to have happened. But Adonijah, for the moment at least, um, accepts the fact that Solomon is king, but he's still afraid of him, and rightfully so. <clears throat> So the torch is being passed. David, the greatest king in uh, Israelite history, is now going to die. And he's passing this torch along to his son Solomon. But, but warning him that whoever sits on the throne is simply because God desires it. 
So he, he's pointing him in the right direction. It's not just my desire for you to sit on this throne. It's God's, but only to the extent that you continue to follow him. Jesus is continuing to talk about the end times here. He's explaining to them. They asked for the sign, right? They, they wanted to know when these things would happen and what would be the sign that they would happen. And Jesus is giving them these signs, and they're not nebulous, but, but they're common, they're things that happen all the time, except for when he began to speak about the sun, the moon, the stars. And that's a different matter. And as I said yesterday, that, that ties into all the prophecy and the revelation about what would happen. So here he says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. It's a harbinger of, of what is to come. And so it's a good sign that we're moving towards summer, and, and we, we all need those kinds of signs. It's, a, it's always a wonderful thing. When we lived in Knoxville, we lived on something called the Dogwood Trail, and, and so we had, I don't even remember how many dogwoods and, and about 70 or 80 azaleas in the yard and all kinds of other stuff, and, and, it was, and we had to keep the yard neat and nice and had to trim all those things and take care of all, of all those trees and bushes because... The dogwood trail. So there were, the streets were painted with with pink lines, and that said, "Okay, you follow these. You'll you'll see these houses that that have prepared themselves specifically for you to come and view them." And so when we bought the house, it was there, and so we would know when when the dogwoods began to come out. Whenever we'd see the leaves, that that we needed to to take some extra time and prepare the place for the people who'd be coming by. So he says that you'll know that summer is near when these things happen. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so we know that the temple was destroyed within living memory of those who were there. And and it but it but this whole idea of the the leaves uh, on the on the um, fig tree is important for the rest of what he's going to say concerning that day the end of days or that hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father be on guard keep awake it's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake therefore stay awake for you don't know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And so that preparation that we had to make, as soon as we saw the signs that spring was, was coming, was we had to go and do certain things, right? I mean, we had to mulch. We had to do all this other stuff. We had, we had somebody come and, and put fertilizer on the lawn and all that kind of stuff. We had a lot of work to do to prepare for those people who would be coming soon to see this. And we didn't want to be embarrassed because we weren't prepared for those people. So it was important that as soon as we saw the signs, we did the things that were necessary to be ready to receive those people who'd come and essentially judge us <laughs> based on how the yard looked when they came. And, and, and Jesus is saying it's the same way here. Be aware of the signs, but, but do one thing. Always be prepared and stay awake. As soon as you see those signs, and the signs are always there. So the message of staying awake is always appropriate. Never a single time in human history since the death of Jesus that we weren't seeing signs of the end. 
And so it's important for us in our day to be those who stay awake and those who are prepared for the coming of the kingdom, coming of the Lord. And it's important that we not lose sight of that because it's easy to get complacent and to forget that he might come at any moment. And so we, we've got to, if you're seeing signs today, then, then you should be preparing. You should be cleaning your house. You should be hearkening to the message of John the Baptist. We should be, we should be becoming those people who are, who are ridding our lives of sin so that the way of the Lord might be prepared. In the Acts passage, Paul's continuing his trial before King Agrippa and, and Queen Bernice, who are brother and sister, but there's a, an asterisk next to that relationship um, because there's a lot of historians that suggested there was more to it than just brother and sister. But as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, who is the man who had come after the Jews had, had demanded that Felix, in front of whom Paul had spoken before, and who was married to Agrippa's sister, um, Festus, the the new governor, the no, new procurator, said with a loud voice, Paul, are you out of your mind? Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. You know, so he, he's speaking of the resurrection of the dead, which is a, a, a specifically Jewish way of speaking about this thing. And, and, and Festus is unfamiliar with that because he's a Roman. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. I'm speaking true and rational words. Paul's not saying these are the things I believe. He said these things are true and rational. And they are because Jesus was resurrected from the dead and attested by hundreds of witnesses. So, so Paul says, no, I'm not talking about, about crazy things, and I'm not talking about speculative things here. I'm speaking of real things, true things, things that actually happened. He says, the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Agrippa grew up in a semi-Jewish household, at least. I mean, it was nominally Jewish. And he would have known these things that he's talking about. And, and Paul's saying this wasn't hidden from view. He's been here a while. He knows these stories of Jesus. He knows the testimony of those who have come before me. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? So he does know. He knows everything about it because did you hear that? He didn't mention Jesus in that, in that statement at all. He says, would you persuade me to be a Christian, Paul? Do you think I can be converted that quickly? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but all who hear me this day would become such as I am. Well, except for being here in chains. <clears throat> and so Paul, he doesn't consider him his enemy. He's preaching the gospel to these people because he wants them to be saved. And, and it's because the Lord compels him to do that. That's always going to be his testimony. He's not talking about guilt or innocence. He's talking about the testimony that he has. He's talking about Jesus because he's a guy who's staying awake, right? I mean, that, that's the thing is, is that he sees the signs and he's telling Agrippa, you know the prophets. Don't you see the signs as well? You need to do something here. You need to make a decision. And so when it was decided they should, so they decided that, that together Festus and Agrippa sat down and talked and said, you know, this man's done nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Does that mean that Paul made a tactical error and therefore he's being sent to Caesar? No, it doesn't. It means that, that, he, that the Lord's in charge of all of this. 
If Paul had been set free, remember, there were people who were set to assassinate him as soon as it was possible to do so. The only way he's going to get to Caesar is under safe conduct, under Roman guard. And so, no, it wasn't a mistake that Paul made in the way that he defended himself in asking to go to Caesar. No, it wasn't at all. The Lord superintended all of this stuff so that Paul could go to Rome exactly as the Lord had promised that he would. So then it was decided to sail for Italy, and they delivered Paul and some others to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And then we get sort of a, a travelogue of how they got to Rome. And so we're going from place to place along the sea. And he tells some of who are there along with them. There's Aristarchus, who's a Macedonian from Thessalonica, who would have been somebody in one of the churches there that Paul had planted. And then they put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. He trusted Paul. He knew that Paul was going to persevere in this thing. He wasn't going to run away while they were at Sidon. And so then he tells us about the, the travels along the way, and finally they get to Myra in Lycia, which would be Turkey. Uh, and Nicholas, actually, St. Nicholas, who for Christmas is sort of named, um, goes, it lives at Myra at a later time. And so then they found a ship from Alexandria that was sailing for Italy and put them on board. And then it, he's telling about the difficulties they faced from then on. And then they come to the place called Fair Havens, <coughs> which is just off this coast near La Silla, which is a city. So what we see in all this is, is that we need to be careful and we need to keep our eyes open and our ears open for signs, just like they did in that Old Testament lesson when they heard the sound of celebration coming and they knew there must be something going on and it was something that was necessary to for them to hear in order to respond to it. Jesus talks about signs and how we're to respond to those things. Paul does the same in, in his testimony and his, his witness that he's making before King Agrippa here. He's saying, look at the signs, keep your eyes open, and make a decision. And that's the injunction that we have every single day of our lives, actually, is to be aware of our surroundings and to know the times that we live in in order that we might speak the gospel best into those situations in the same way that Paul does here as he comes before the king, the queen, and the governor. <laughs>